Hello and welcome to the September 14th version of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. I am your host, Trent Reinsmith, and here are the subjects for today's podcast. Well, at least we know for certain that there is no UFC bubble at the Apex in Las Vegas. Fighters are a different breed. Take Kevin Kroom, for example. Why the hate from fellow UFC fighters for Sean O'Malley? Is it because they think O'Malley is benefiting from the UFC machine? Yeah, I think that's probably it. And finishing it out today is memorable moments from UFC on ESPN Plus 35. And without further ado, here is the first subject. UFC President Dana White has led us to believe that the UFC is operating a bubble at the UFC Apex. And that without, and he has said that without this bubble, sports can't. Uh, go on in 2020 and and beyond really but we found out that the uh, the uh, the bubble not so much a bubble and here's why white attended a rally for Donald Trump on Sunday in Las Vegas and in Nevada gatherings indoors it was an indoor rally so just let's make that clear too gatherings indoors of substantial numbers of people are not allowed in Nevada but Trump being Trump and just ignoring rules and laws and and protocols went on with this event and it will not be a surprise if this event ends up being another quote-unquote super spreader situation where a lot of people who attend end up with COVID-19. And so White was there. Henry Cejudo was there. Colby Covington was there. Justin Gaethje was there. And Ali Abdelaziz was there. And so no masks. And we know that White does not follow the UFC's own protocol and the Nevada State Athletic Commission's protocol of wearing a mask at all times at the apex. And so White was at this event, and I don't know how many people were there, but there was an, enough. It was more than 50. So White goes from there on Monday and right into the apex on Tuesday for the Contender Series and then returns to the apex on Friday, I'm going to assume, for the next UFC event. That, that's going to take place at the apex. So the idea that there's a bubble and that it's a contained bubble is now, we now know is a joke. Because if White, who has never worn a mask at the apex for as, as far as I know, and shakes hands and bumps elbows and gives fist bumps and embraces whoever during these events, he's going into the bubble without a mask. And he's going in there right after being in this enclosed area with hundreds, maybe thousands of people during a pandemic. So the idea that there's a, a bubble in Vegas is a joke. It's laughable. And maybe that's why the UFC is having so many positive tests 
and why so many fighters are having to be forced out. But that still doesn't answer the reason why so many fighters are being dropped from fight cards on fight day, because that's still another question that needs to be answered and hasn't been addressed. And so now I'm I, I'm almost hoping the UFC just goes back to Abu Dhabi and stays there because the Abu Dhabi government oversaw the, the fights there last time and hopefully they will be doing so this time, which is again another question that has to be asked: Who's overseeing the uh, the protocol? Because they the Abu Dhabi government had that locked down. They did a fantastic job from everything I saw and from what I read. The UFC now, why even have a the idea of a bubble here when you know that Dana White's just in and out of the thing, and he's the one that's going to meet with almost all these fighters at some point. He's going to interact with every fighter and probably almost every camp too. And every individual that's probably going to be in the apex for these events. It's a joke. The idea that there's a bubble has now been established as a total joke and a farce. And it's indefensible that this is even allowed. I'm kind of upset that the the Nevada State Athletic Commission would have let this happen. The protocol says that people have to wear a mask at all times. But yet the guy that should be the example, that should be leading by example, is leading by negative example by just ignoring all the protocol it would be funny if it wasn't so pathetic and sad and so now i'm now there's the concern what's going to happen over the next couple weeks at the at the apex with these these folks who are just in and out of this this rally i don't know but it's definitely definitely bears watching i'm not going to be surprised if something doesn't happen where where an outbreak happens and more and more fighters drop off hopefully Things get back to Abu Dhabi. The Abu Dhabi government starts to oversee things again and really locks that down because I have no faith now in in the UFC after seeing this. Maybe we had our suspicions that, that there was no real bubble, but now we know for a fact that there is no real bubble. That leads to a lot of other questions that I don't think are going to be asked and I'm even more certain that they're not going to be answered. But another thing I know for certain is there's going to be knuckleheads out there saying I should shut up because the UFC is the UFC's providing the opportunity for these fighters to make a living. And again, I will say for the hundredth time, the UFC is not putting on these events for the fighters. They're putting on these events to get that sweet ESPN money at the end of the year that they will collect when they put 42 fight cards on. That's why they're putting on events. As the fighters being there is just a means to an end. And the end is a whole lot of money that's going to go into the UFC's coffers. And none of the fighters are going to see any of that. So we can we can just throw this idea of a bubble out and just flush it down the toilet. And a lot of questions as to why the number of positive tests has increased has been answered. But why the why white doesn't give a shit? Well, that's a whole other question, isn't it? We know professional MMA fighters are a different breed. That's there's no question about that, and it's a it's a sport that very few people want to participate in. Many may think they want to participate in, but when when it gets down to getting punched in the face and kicked in the head, people tend to change their minds. I think. But what makes them even more different than other professional athletes is the pay is not there. There's no money in it, really. And so you start 
doing it because of the love of competition and the love of the sport and then you kind of get uh, sucked into it and, and you can't it's it's like in the godfather you can't get out and want to look at how some, how different these folks are in in in, in some ways so let's use Kevin Crumman as a, an example. He took a fight uh, against Roosevelt Roberts on set, last Saturday on very short notice. And this guy's been fighting as a professional since 2009. In 2011, Justin Gaethje made his debut by by uh, beating Chrome in a, with a slam in 61 seconds. And this guy's been slugging it out. And he finally got his chance to make the UFC. And here's the thing that really stuck out when I saw this. Kroom tweeted after the fight on Wednesday, I had $64 in my bank account and was trying to figure out how to make it 65 Hell of a weekend. So he won his fight and got a bonus. So he has more money in his bank account, that's for sure. But this is a guy, like I said, he's been doing this since 2009 as a professional and 2007 as an amateur and he just made the UFC he never quit never gave up he didn't have any money in the bank here um, and he just stuck with it and that's kind of crazy to me I mean I can I, I I don't I can't comprehend that I I probably would have quit long 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 ago just because of the financial situation but but this guy you know stuck it out and i'm gonna guess he wasn't fighting for very much money uh during those those nine years i'm sorry 11 years leading up to his ufc debut and so now he's in the ufc and he's got some money in the bank so good for him and i i, I could say some things about money in the UFC but I won't I'll just leave this up to to just show that some of these guys and gals that that do this for a living are just people I just can't comprehend what it takes to be that focused and that dedicated to something when there are so few rewards so I'm glad to see a veteran like Kevin Kroom get an opportunity and I'm glad that he made the most of it. So things worked out for him, at least on that night. And we'll see where he goes from here. Sean O'Malley seems to be getting an increasing amount of hate from UFC fighters. First there was Ben Askren making his comments on O'Malley and now we have Henry Cejudo pitching in. And Cejudo said more or less that he is soft and here's the quote he hasn't been through a war you can give the pain but can you take the pain that's the difference between somebody like sean o'malley and me does he have better striking than me probably because of his length and his range makes him a little dangerous but you've just got to be the full package and i don't i don't really understand this i, I well maybe i do maybe i maybe i'm getting a grasp of this from folks like Cejudo and and Askren and maybe maybe that's there's a little bit of jealousy and envy in here and I wouldn't blame him I mean Askren was at it for a long time and was always looked at as somebody who was good but he wasn't in the UFC which I think was unfair because he you know he fought who he could fight and he beat who he could beat he, he can't really do anything other than that and maybe his UFC run didn't 
go so well, but he wasn't a bad fighter by any means, and he achieved a lot outside the UFC, and he got paid. So good for him there. Cejudo, I can see this too because he worked his ass off and achieved something that very few fighters can do. And as far as a, a wrestler, he, he got the ultimate goal by winning a gold medal. And and so, I mean, I can understand that he would look at somebody like O'Malley and say, how does this guy get so much juice when he hasn't done anything, really? And meanwhile, Cejudo had to retire because he just couldn't get paid what he probably, well, not probably, but what he deserved to get paid as a, you know, a guy who was a two-division champion. And so maybe that's a little bit of it. I, I think it's a lot of it, actually. Why why push down on somebody that's in the same sport? In the end, the truth will, will out, you know, we know how good Cejudo is, what is was. We know what Askren achieved. And so let O'Malley's career take its course and see where it goes. If he reaches greatness, he reaches greatness. If he doesn't, well, then you can say, well, why did this guy get so much push from the UFC when I didn't? When I came to the UFC with so much more or when I got into the UFC, I achieved so much more and didn't get the media, the press and the media and the the juice that someone like O'Malley gets. You know, then then speak up. But to push down on a, on a young man like this, it just doesn't seem right. And it doesn't seem fair. And it also points towards the fact that if, if, if the UFC ever wants to get a fighters association, it's going to be a hard slog because it's an individual sport. And if one fighter has the opportunity to take a cheap shot at another fighter, well, it looks like a lot of them will, will take that opportunity and, and relish it. All right, so I said that I was going to move this material from the written thing to online, and so I'm going to do that. And this is the memorable moments I had from UFC on ESPN Plus 35. The first thing I noticed was what was with the matching suits? So Anthony Smith and Rashad Evans seemed to have the same kind of grayish-blue suit Evans' suit was a little darker, but it was more or less the same suit. It had the same pattern on it, and that was a little weird. And then I saw that uh, Bisping and who the hell? I forget who was in the booth with him. They both had on green suits, and those seemed to be almost exactly the same. So it was just weird, and that struck me as something that, you know, maybe we should watch. Is this something that's going to be done going forward, or, or is... Is, is the UFC dressing these folks in matching matching suits now? I, I didn't get it. It was very weird. Very weird. Uh, and uh, next thing I have here is Jalen Turner. He dropped Brock Weaver there in the in the second and then just kind of let him sit on the on the on the mat. I don't know if he I think he thought the fight was over and that Herb Dean was going to wave it off. And I think Dean was actually maybe thinking about it because Turner wasn't doing anything. And it put um, 
it put Dean in a weird spot where he almost had to force Turner to get back in there and fight. And when Weaver got up, it was clear he wanted nothing to do with any more of the strike of Jalen Turner. But um, he had to, and he got finished shortly after that. And that was very strange, a very strange finish to that fight. But Turner did look good. I'll give him that. Um, the heavyweight fight between uh, Alexander Romanov and Rocky Oroki Martinez, that was a weird fight, very weird fight. Uh, Martinez didn't look like he should be in the UFC, and Romanov was just tossing him around and basically using him as a a, a training partner or a sparring partner. And at some points, a, a grappling dummy. At one point there, he was just sitting on him and hitting him with ground and pound, and it, it was just a mismatch. Um, so that was a weird fight as well. I I know Romanov uh, looked good, be, but I'm not, I'm gonna hold off on that on giving him a, a huge thumbs up until I see him fight someone that actually belongs in in the UFC. Um, but he came in with an undefeated record, and he left with an undefeated record. So good for him, uh, Kevin Chrome, Chrome. Uh, came in on short notice. Roosevelt Roberts was the biggest favorite on the card, I believe, and he lasted all of 31 seconds before he got choked out by Krom. And good for him. Um, he fought Justin Gaethje in 2011 when Gaethje was making his MMA professional MMA debut. Uh, Gaethje won that fight. This guy's been at it for a long time, and to see him come in and just crush Roosevelt Roberts was uh it was impressive and he got a bonus so good for him there see what he does coming out of this but uh the funny part of this was that as bisping was reading the text that he got from roberts said something about watch me as i as i you know knock out this fool as soon as bisping got done Crown punched him, Roberts in the face, and pretty much ended the fight there before the uh, before he choked him out. But the timing was the timing couldn't have been better or worse if you're Roosevelt Roberts. Um, Avila and Eubanks. Eubanks looked fantastic, and Avila learned a lesson. And that lesson is you got to get off your back sometimes. And if You've never really experienced that through your jujitsu career and now your MMA career. Well, you don't practice it. You just kind of think you can do it. Didn't happen. And Eubanks got a big win and really dominated that fight. It was an impressive win for her and a big, big, big learning lesson for uh, Julia Avila. Uh, next, I have uh, Billy Quarantillo and... Kyle Nelson. I thought Quarantolo was going to lose um, after the first round, but Nelson ran out of gas, and near the end of the second, they probably could have stopped it. And that punch that uh, Quarantolo landed at the very beginning of the third round was just nasty, nasty. I don't know uh, if Nelson's going to walk away from that without any lasting damage, but he got him right in the orbital bone and and just. Rick flared him, dropped him right on his face. Big, big finish. Bobby Green. I, wa I watched this one. I was waiting for 
Herb Dean to, uh, they kind of gave him a side eye there at one point because if you don't, if you recall, Bobby Green did the uh, spitting the water up in the air thing after his last win and Dean was refing that and he didn't look happy. He didn't look happy about that. But so Bobby Green did not spit all over Herb Dean this time. So big win there for Herb Dean. Um, Green's interview after the fight where they where he spoke about the execution of the Iranian wrestler um, was pretty emotional and Green couldn't really or didn't want to talk about anything fight related uh, with with Michael Bisping. Bisping tried to bring it back in and Green just kind of blew that off. So it was a, a raw movement, moment from Bobby Green and but Bobby Green's a guy who's not afraid to tell you what he's thinking and, and show his emotions. So I don't I wouldn't call it a nice moment, but it was a revealing moment about Bobby Green and it was good for him that he went with what he felt and spoke about what he felt and and didn't just do the normal after fight interview thing. Ed Herman. Ed Herman. Ed Herman and Chris Tyone. I don't know what happened here. Um, that fight should have ended at the, at the in the second round with Rodriguez getting a TKO after he blasted Herman in the gut with a knee. Uh, Tyone thought it was a low blow. Um, Herman was hurt, took advantage of the referee screwing up, and went on to win the fight. But he probably shouldn't have ever had the opportunity to do so. Um, this one really should have went to instant replay to figure out what what could have been done and and what would have happened after that I don't know but Herman did not get hit in the, in the groin there not even close so weird ending and I don't think we've heard the last of this fight Otman Azatar is someone you, you you probably don't want to fight if you're a lightweight you probably want to avoid taking that fight at least now um, at least until it's worth your money to take that fight because in two UFC fights, he has two first-round finishes, and he does not look like he's a, anyone that, to to mess with. He looks like he could be the re, real deal. And in the lightweight division, he might slide under the radar, radar for a while. He might be someone that the UFC brings along slowly if it can, let him climb the ladder, get a lot of good finishes if, if that's uh, the way he's going to go, and it looks like that's the way he's going to go. But he just really good two fights in the UFC very impressive the main event was a fantastic five-round fight I thought Angela Hill was gonna win I thought she would turn it on in the third round and really pressure Watterson that didn't really happen and uh, fight could have went either way it went to Watterson and I'm on I'm with Dana White on this one there wasn't really a loser here. I mean, on the record book and probably in the check checking account, there was a loser, and that was Angela Hill. But from a fight standpoint, I don't think either woman here loses any standing, and I think Watterson gains some ground here, and maybe he'll gain some ground too because it was a gutsy performance, and even though she got the loss, she was in there until the very end. It was a competitive fight. All around great fight, and I know a lot of people didn't think it should have uh, headlined the UFC event on paper, but it did not disappoint, and it was good to see that main event, and it was good to see that they, uh, Watterson and Hill put on a great, great performance and hopefully shut up a lot of people who were um, crapping all over that one when it when it replaced 
the original main event. So those are my memorable moments from UFC on ESPN Plus 35. And with that, I am going to call it an evening, and I will be back tomorrow. And until then, stay safe, everyone. Mm-hmm.